This is Ryan Elliott for Boxing Social in association with Betfred. I'm delighted to be joined by Adam Smith today. Adam, we've got a lot to talk about before we get down to it. How are you? I'm all right, Ryan. Yeah, well, yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting time, obviously, for everybody now as we uh, move into the sort of next phase with sport. Um, yeah, Fight Camp was a fantastic success. We, we, we loved doing it. It was a very intense month. I had a break, uh, a holiday with the family, and um, kids are back at school for the first time in six months. And uh, yeah, some sort of normality is resuming. But uh, of course, the boxing world turns, and every five minutes it's something different. So I've um, been spending a lot of time with Eddie, working out the, uh, the next moves for the weeks ahead. And um, yeah, very happy with what we've come up with. And uh, more to be announced as well in the coming weeks. So, um, so yeah, it's uh, an exciting time, a different time. I've caught up with all sorts of people throughout this, you know, from Todd de Berth to, to people from PBC to everybody. And, and, you know, everyone's in the, Frank Warren, everyone's in the same boat. You know, they've, uh, we've been dealt with cards. Um, the most important thing is health and safety throughout, throughout this. And uh, there's a pandemic going on and we need to, you know, listen to Robert Smith and the board and there's rules and regs and, uh, you know, make sure that everyone's as safe as they can be. And we obviously put on as many good fights as we can with the circumstances as they are. No crowds, you know, the, the difficulty with that, the gate and, uh, you know, a lot of adaptability. But um, it's a challenge and it's one we're taking uh, head on. You mentioned it there, we've just sort of closed the book on summer and, and the whole fight camp schedule as well. And we'll come on to what's coming in autumn. You guys have just announced a lot of shows. But how do you reflect on that that whole fight camp summer just, that we've just had in the shows as well? Yeah, I listen, with fond memories already. I mean, I think it was uh, a very innovative idea um, from Matchroom. You know, Eddie and Frank worked really hard on it uh, behind the scenes. The Sky production operational outfits were fantastic. There was a you know, a, a, a unity between the uh, the two businesses as there has been throughout our relationship, our long relationship, but uh, especially for Fight Camp, it was a very difficult um, idea to put into practice. You know, there were a lot of um, hurdles to jump over. And, um, you know, I think looking back at it, my, my big push was that we wanted and we must have quality fights. And, and that was the thing. Whatever level it was, you know, we wanted really good fights. And I think, you know, over the four weeks, we got that. Um, I think we got some great stories. We got some, some memorable ones. You know, that, that first night where we had the Cheeseman-Eggington, you know, war. And we'd already had um, Tennyson and Gwyn. And it was just, that was a fantastic start. You know, you had the, 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 the women's duel between Terry Harper and Tasha Jonas, which was a fantastic fight, one of the best fights in, in recent times. It was an absolute cracker. Uh, you know, then you had a, a great night when sort of Rachel Ball upset Shannon Courtney. You had Felix Cash and Zelfa Barrett sort of coming through some sticky moments. That was a really good sort of tradey show. And then, of course, the finale with... You know, the, uh, the Katie Taylor bassoon fight, which was uh, another really good one. Not quite as good as the, the one they had in the garden, but it was uh, in the other garden. But it was, uh, it was a fantastic rematch. And then, of course, the, the Povetkin-White story when, you know, Dillian seemed on the, on the cusp of victory and on the cusp of a, a world title shot. And boom, it, you know, it turns on its head. So, you know, really pleased with it. You know, we got, um, it looked terrific. It looked fantastic. Yes, there were, you know, 120, 30 people there. It wasn't the same. I mean, the atmosphere wasn't what it, you know, the, we love the crowds and we miss that 
desperately. Um, and also difficult for us as commentators, 10 meters back from ringside, you know, socially distanced from each other. Matt and I are normally sort of, you know, snuggled up on a bench on the front row. And, you know, it's, it's very different, but you know, you, you've got to be versatile. And uh, the most important thing was we've got really good fights out. I think, I think probably the one memory I'll have, not just the, the, you know, the fireworks and the way it looked, but the, the really good memory was the fighters were so focused. You know, they were, they were so dedicated so focused, so fast out of the traps post lockdown, you know, they were ready and they wanted to fight. They didn't have to worry about selling tickets and the sort of other distractions. They just focused on the job in hand. And I think that's why win or lose, there were some really great performances. I think they enjoyed their time in the bubble with, you know, with the, the, the media attention on them. That was, that was a new thing for all of us. And it was, you know, difficult to get your head around sort of being COVID tested and put in a room for, for 16, 17 hours, then let out into the bubble. But actually, once you were out there, it was, it was, really, it was really sort of um, communal and, and collaborative as much as you were sort of slightly socially distanced and it was odd, but you'd all been tested. And, and so I think that it, it all gave us some learnings for going forward. You know, Eddie and I talked about whether we wanted to, to move this into September as well, but we thought, look, leave the party up there at its highest you know we went out with a with a bang with the heavyweights and 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 then you know we we thought let's have time to reflect on it and, and rethink and reset and, and go again because obviously the weather's going to change and you know and and as we know you know week by week things are, are shifting with the government policy and the board and so you know we've got to be on our toes but we were very pleased with it all and and yeah as i said you know thanks to the fighters for preparing to take harder challenges to take the risk to get back in the ring and do what they do best and um, as I said the losers the winners it didn't really matter there were um, there were a, a, a bunch of, of, of great stories out of it and um, you know I think it was a, a really inspiring project and I'm sure we'll come back and have another crack at it maybe next summer but um, yeah well done to everyone involved. Adam, uh, as you mentioned, uh, Fight Camp did sort of finish off with that spectacular fight between Dillian White and Alexander Povetkin. Among a lot of news in the last few days, the rematch, uh, November 21st, Dillian White, Alexander Povetkin looks to be sort of heading the autumn schedule for Sky Sports. Can we expect similar fireworks to what was delivered in the first fight? Well, I don't know. You know, I mean, uh, Alexander Povetkin, you know, has always had power he's always had a skill set and you know he found a, the punch of his career didn't he you know he's had an Indian summer really I mean a lot of us thought he was lucky to get a draw against Michael Hunter and you know it seemed at times in, in, in the fight with Dillian as though you know the legs weren't quite there and he was all he was obviously hammering away at the body and he was doing you know a lot a lot of things right but you know Dillian behind that jab and he looked sort of assured and calm and you know with the knockdowns in the fourth round it was you know it was a major shock and listen that's heavyweight boxing for you you know remember it with Lennox Lewis being knocked out twice when he wasn't expecting to be with Oliver McCall and, and, and Hasim Rackman and I think there's there's an interesting sort of a comparison there because with McCall he, he decided to change trainers from Pepe Carrera to Emmanuel Stewart he spent two and a half years you know, rebuilding, learning the steward techniques, the cronk techniques. And uh, when he got McCall back in a ring, he completely dominated and McCall had that breakdown. But with Hassim Rackman, it was a it was a, a shock in South Africa, but he hadn't really acclimatized and thought he's probably only got himself to blame. And he went straight back in there and knocked him out in America. So, you know, interesting that, you know, do you take an immediate rematch, don't you? And I think with Dillian, he's the sort of character that, look, you know, he's lost to Anthony Joshua before he dusted himself down. He got back. He learned from it. He's only had a handful of amateur fights. And, you know, he'd done so well. That was almost a sort of shame with it, why people sort of 
their heart went out to Dillian because he'd sort of got through so many hurdles and sort of fights with the likes of Derek and Lucas Brown and, and Joseph Parker and, you know, Oscar Rivas, and he's so close. But, you know, that, that is always the danger. You know, Povetkin is, uh, you know, was a, a terrific amateur. He's had a great professional career. And those two defeats to Klitschko and Joshua, you know, this is a serious fighter. And, you know, and uh, you don't lose your power. And, and it was a clever punch, you know. It was right through the middle, the uppercut, and it took everybody by surprise. And, uh, yeah, that's that's where we are. So, you know, Povetkin has the rematch to take care of. He has to go in there and, and believe he could do it all all again. And Dillian has to think, look, he made a mistake in there. Everything was going well, and he's got to correct that. He's kept with the same team. I saw him half an hour afterwards, and he said he wanted the rematch straight away then. He said he wanted it the next day. He said he wanted it the next week. So that's where we're going. Uh, very exciting, November the 21st. And, um, you know, we'll see. It's uh, it's a fascinating situation. You know, it's, is it a fight? Did Povetkin get lucky with that shot? Or, or, or is, you know, White susceptible to, to uppercuts and hooks? And, you know, if, um, if he can do it once, Povetkin, he can do it again. Rematches sometimes go the same way, sometimes quicker. Sometimes they, they change and they go on their head. And sometimes the styles are very different. I'm thinking Eubank Collins when, you know, Collins sort of, outsight Eubank in the first fight and then the second fight he outmuscled him physically you know charged him like a bull so you know who knows um it's a it, it's one that's going to be that's going to be an exciting uh, addition to the sort of autumnal winter program and um yeah it leads the way of our first big announcement uh, back after the fight camp there was some eyebrows raising a few concerns raised as well adam about the relatively quick turnaround for dillian after such a heavy knockout you know getting back in the gym getting back in training and going into another big fight like this do you understand those concerns definitely of course i do um as i said you know the lennox lewis comparison it's um i think if you you know if he decided i mean the other thing was that mark tibbs of course had, had guided him for so long and, and, and you know that changed uh, so he had a new corner team and i I mean, he just seemed so relaxed, Dillian, in the week. He seemed so calm and, you know, he thought that everything had gone right. He was light on the scales. You know, he was, he was boxing well. And, you know, does he, does he go back to the sort of the, 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 the Dillian White that's just awkward and tough and rough? Or, or does he, you know, do what he was doing last time and box behind that jab, keep the space and just, you know, not make that mistake, not leave himself open. It's a difficult one. You know, psychologically, a lot of people, a lot of fighters will say that they need, you need time, you need a confidence booster. But others, you know, depending on the manner and the person, the individual they are, they just want to go straight back in. I mean, it's a dangerous, dangerous risk for Dillian because if he loses, you know, dramatically again, that's the world title shot out the window. It'll be very hard to come back from that. And he knows that, but... This is Dillian White you're talking about. This is a guy who had a, a tough upbringing. You know, he became a dad young. He's, you know, he's, he came and settled in London and he, he had his fair share of issues and he had to deal through those and he's had knockbacks and people doubting him and, and he's had that all the way through. And he's, uh, you know, he's a lot more mature now, Dillian, and he's a, he's a, he's a very engaging character, as you know. And I think, look, it's each and to their own. He wants it. We want it, don't we? As, as fans, we all want to see what happens next. And it's great that we don't have to wait a year as, as, as boxing fans, as, as boxing commentators. We can go straight back into it. But it is a dangerous uh, a risk. It is a, you know, it's, it's one that, you know, he's rolling the dice with it. And, um, but it's his decision. This is what he wants. And, uh, you know, Anthony Joshua went back into a rematch straight away with Andy Ruiz, having been taken apart in the garden, you know, down four times and, 
you know, desperate loss. Um, he took a little bit more time than, than Dillian's having. It's not quite, I think, 91 days or something, is it, that Dillian's having? But it's, uh, that was longer. It was June to December. But, you know, Anthony Joshua worked on things in the gym. He got it right. He boxed brilliantly the second time and, and totally nullified Ruiz. So, um, you know, that's, a, that's a probably something for Dillian to look at and say, look, you can go straight back in and you can get it right. Um, and Dillian needs to do that. But let's not forget Alexander Povetkin in all this. You know, Povetkin's the one that won the fight. He'll be very confident about going in and, and believing that he can get that next world title shot and maybe become a world champion all over again at... 41, 42. I mean, he's as, he's as fit and conditioned as ever, even if the legs, the reflexes may not quite be what they once were. And we certainly thought after the Hunter fight that maybe that was the case. Um, Barry Jones was just saying even this week that he thinks he's not nearly the fighter he was, and, but you still have your power and you still have those, you know, he's, he, was, he was a top, top level fighter and has been for so many years that, you know, he's the one that won the fight. He'll be confident he can go in and do it all over again. Final one on White Pavek and Adam, just to go back to the first fight, um, I'm sure you saw it. There was some criticism from certain quarters of, of boxing fans uh, with regards to the lack of acknowledgement for Pavekin's work, perhaps in the, in the early stages of the fight. I'm sure you saw some of it. What did you make of it? Listen, everything's subjective. You know, we, 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 we're not, we're not going to say, Matt and I are not going to say, or Carl and I, whoever is commentating, and not say we get it right all the time. You know, I think I've, I've, I've done countless interviews about this already. You know, ultimately, we call it as we see it. You know, the one thing I hate with all of this is people saying we're biased. We're not biased at all, right? We call a fight as we see it. Were we biased when Andy Ruiz became the first Mexican heavyweight champion and that was the story. Were we saying, you know, Anthony Joshua deserved to win that fight? Of course he didn't. He got taken apart. He got taken out. You know, we call it as we see it. We've done this for a long time. But obviously, there are going to be people that subjectively see a fight differently. I would say we're in a strange situation. There is no atmosphere at ringside. We're 10 meters back as commentators. We're socially distanced from each other. And, you know, and it's not the same. It's not like having, you know, Matt alongside me or Carl or, or Andy Clark or the guys alongside you on a front row at ringside where you're seeing every single thing and, you know, very, very sharply. You're 10 meters back and you're commentating sort of from, from a long way back and also, you know, partly off, off, off the, the, uh, the monitors as well. So, you know, there's, there's certain, there's certain, you know, it's a certain different situation and adaptability situation. I've watched the fight back uh, a few times. You know, Alexander Povetkin did um, did some decent work to the body. He did miss a lot as well. Um, Dillian White was controlling a lot behind the jab. He was he was very much for me the fighter that was in control. You know, Alexander Povetkin a couple of times he didn't really know where he was, um, which corner. First, I think at the end of the first round he went almost back to the wrong corner. His legs looked shaky to me. He went back at the end of the fourth round when he got knocked down twice. He didn't to me look as though you know he he had a lot left. So I think whatever you think, whether you think Povetkin won one or, or, or more of the early rounds. You know, Matt scored it to Dillian White. I, I think Matt is, is, is an incredible co-commentator and a brilliant scorer and judge of a fight. We're not the judges, though. The judges are there for a reason. You know, we guide with what we see. It's not necessarily what fight, what fight fans see. It's all subjective. Did people think, you know, Sam Meganson beat Ted Cheeseman? I'm sure there were some. I thought some people thought Cheeseman. Did people think Terry Harper beat Natasha Jonas? Probably. I thought Tasha Jonas won that fight. You know, it's all very subjective. It's down to the judges. The judges decide, you know, if it goes the distance. 
And, you know, Alexander Povetkin decided the outcome of that fight. So whatever, you know, you, way you look at the first few rounds, my feeling was that Dillian White was largely in control. He certainly was in control when he knocked him down twice in the fourth round. And, you know, that was the stunning part of it, that Alexander Povetkin found that shot when Dillian White was surely a round or two from victory. But, yeah, don't know what you thought, Ryan, but the early, fight, early parts of the fight, you know, I felt Dillian had, had, was, was doing fine. Well, Adam, uh, we've got a lot to get through. There's a lot that's just been announced uh, coming to the way of Sky Sports. We'll start with September 26th. You've got the World Boxing Super Series final, Bredis Torticos. If the last final you had, the last World Boxing Super Series final you had on Sky is anything to go by, we should be in for another cracker, Adam. Absolutely, yeah. Fantastic. Last year with, with Josh Taylor and, and, and Regis Proje, you know, it was absolutely fantastic. Regis was you know, brilliant all, all the way in the build-up. That was a fantastic fight. Taylor just pulling it out at the end. I thought... One of the best fights we've had on, on Sky. It really, really enjoyed that. And yeah, we, you know, we should get another absolute fantastic fa uh, matchup, you know, with Dordicus and Bradis. You know, they're, uh, they're two extremely good fighters, top level, good clash of styles. So stylistically, it's going to be really interesting. And uh, yeah, you know, it's a, it's a great cruiserweight matchup. So very excited about that. That's uh, what a week on Saturday, um, you know, then we go into the golden contract uh, on October the 30th. We've got um, a couple of really good finals there. Really particularly looking forward to Jazza Dickens and Ryan Walsh. Um, and then we move into, you know, Joshua Boatzi, Sunday the 4th, um, with Chantel Cameron going for a world title too. Really excited about that show, getting Boatzi back, one of our best fighters. And, uh, you know, he's in a, He's in a, a, a tough one, a tough enough one anyway to come back after his, his long layoff. But uh, he's a good fighter, unbeaten uh, as well. Uh, Marco Chalic um, and uh, Alan Babich knows him well from the amateurs. Babich as well on the bill. Looking forward to that. Then we've got Lewis Ritson and uh, Miguel Vasquez. You've got Savannah Marshall against Hannah Rankin for a world title. So two women fighting, two new women really in a way, in, in Chantel Cameron and Savannah Marshall, fighting for world titles in the space of a fortnight. So, you know, women's boxing absolutely flying with Katie Taylor and Pursuit, with obviously with, with Tasha and Terry Harper. And, you know, we're, uh, we're really excited on that front. And yeah, it's just a really good uh, schedule to get us uh, going again post-fight camp. So uh, we're excited, you know, plenty happening on... BT as well. We watched Anthony Yard win the other night. Love to see Boatsy and Yard down the line. A lot happening in America, of course, with uh, PBC and Top Rank. But, you know, we're, we're happy with uh, continuing to bring the uh, best possible shows we can um, to the UK audiences, 9, 10 o'clock at night. You know, big football matches happening, a lot of sport backlogged. And, you know, it's exciting times at Sky Sports again now. The one big problem we've got, the one big miss we've got, is crowds and, and we, we, we are really we're really sad not to have the, the, the fans there and you know the more fans that we can get in as these you know fight weeks go through the, the better because that's the real buzz we miss and um, you know obviously we want to be back on that apron on that front row and we want to be surrounded by the you, know, you guys all the media we want to be surrounded by the fans it gives you that buzz it brings everybody up a level the fighters the the you know everybody the uh, the whole the whole buzz and the feel of it but um one thing as i said i, I took out of fight camp was that the the fact the fighters just gave great performances so i think that will continue so we've got to make sure the matches are good which they are and um that we you know we get the uh, the scheduling right as well because there's so much sport we don't want to lose boxing in the in the melee of, 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 of all the other, the football, the cricket, the, 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 the rugby, the golf, everything that's happening. We don't want to miss the darts, big darts coming up. 
don't want to miss that. We want to make sure that boxing still has a really good place. And of course, announcing White Povetkin as a huge Sky Sports box office night, you know, puts a, a date in the calendar for November the 21st. So that's really exciting. And um, I'm hoping that maybe we can get Usyk Chisora over the line in the coming hours. And, um, you know, that will be a, a, another really good one. And we've got Anthony Joshua, of course, in December. Then they're talking about, you know, the Fury Wilder three fight, getting that over the line. Todd was saying, Todd DeBerth told me he's hoping December the 19th. And that'll be fantastic for fight fans. You've got the big heavyweights, you know, stories. And of course, we've got that story of White Povetkin. We want to see it finish. We want to see what happens next. Um, you know, when the heavyweight's flying, boxing's flying. And I think at this time, I think, you know, I said during lockdown to, to, to you and to, to Rob and Andy and everyone that I spoke to on, on Zoom calls, you know, that we had to have patience. You know, we weren't the first uh, sport back and we shouldn't have been, you know, the, the, uh, the doctors, the paramedics needed to be on the front line. And, you know, we don't know if there's a second wave coming. We know that there's obviously, you know, there's, there's Northeast is going to shut down a bit and we'll be able to get the Ritson fight up there. And, you know, we're going to have to adapt week on week on week. But um, Eddie's hopeful we'll be able to get some crowds back and we all want that. So, um, yeah, we're keeping with the guidelines listening closely to the government, to Robert Smith, that we're doing the best we can. I mean, everybody's in this situation, whether you're Frank Warren, Eddie Hearn, you know, Bob Aaron and Todd DeBerg, whether you're the PBC and Al Heyman, everybody's been dealt the same cards and we just have to do the best we can. In a way, it's been a, a bit more collaborative. So, uh, you know, we'll see where we go with it. But, you know, we're doing the best and we hope Fight fans are, are enjoying that. And uh, I think Fight Camp was a, a great start. You touched on it there, Adam. Usyk Chisora, you said you're hopeful we can get something over the line in the coming hours. Eddie came out yesterday and said that every all parties are trying to find a way and that they, they feel pretty close. Can we expect to see that in October? Is that when that's been targeted for? Yeah, I spoke to Eddie this morning. I've been messaging David A back and forth all week. Um, everybody wants to make this fight happen. Um, it is difficult, you know, Ryan, without a gate, these fights are hard to make. And, and I, I think the fact that, you know, we want to see... Uh, Daniel Dubois and Joe Joyce, you know, and, and Frank's basically saying that that can't happen without a crowd. And look, we managed to get White Povetkin without a crowd and we made White Povetkin again. Obviously, we're hoping for crowd in November, but you've got to be, you know, with these big, the big money and the big purses, you know, fighters have got to be adaptable. Broadcasters have got to be adaptable. Everybody does. Everybody's got to sort of, you know, try and make these things happen. We all want Usyk Chisora over the line. We should have seen it in May at the O2. You know, it's uh, it's whether we get a gate or not. We hope that there's some fans, but I'm I'm hopeful. I said to Eddie, look, you know, the next sort of 24 to 48 hours are crucial. But I really would like to see an announcement next week, hopefully a positive one. Um, and I'd like to see it, yeah, back end of October, and it's all uh, all systems go because I think it's a really interesting fight. Usyk's this uh, this incredible quality fighter, and everybody knows him from the, the you know the obviously the Super Series and Tony Bellew and everything else. But, you know, now into the heavyweight division, Derek is so tough and rough and strong. And, you know, when he's firing on all cylinders, which he seems to be by the reports from the gym, he's a tough night's work for anyone. So it's a really interesting fight. And obviously there's two characters there and you add David and Eddie and others into the mix. You know, you've, you've, got, a, you've got a great sort of few weeks build up. So I've told them I want to get on with it. So um, I'm waiting for the green light on that one, Ryan. Hopefully. Fingers crossed couple more things before I let you go, Adam. Uh, I'm not going to ask you about the, the legal process, obviously, but Canelo has sort of taken legal action against DAZN, against his promoters. One thing that came out of it that I did want to get your thoughts on was DAZN not considering Callum Smith and Billy Joe Saunders to be premium opponents, uh, the likes of Khabib were. What did you make of that? Were you surprised to hear it? 
I think they're premium opponents. What's a premium opponent? You know, we're talking Gennady Golovkin. What's a premium opponent? This is where there's, there's difficulties. You know, Callum Smith and Billy Joe Saunders might not be known in America. That's the problem to the scale that they're known here. Are they quality opponents and premium opponents for, in our eyes? Of course they are. Um, we want to see Canelo in with great fighters. You know, I was privileged enough to go and spend a week with him uh, before the Danny Jacobs fight. It was a, a great fight between two extraordinarily, extraordinarily good fighters, but Canelo was a little bit better. And, you know, that's the sort of thing you want to see. You want to see him in with Golovkin. You want to, you know, we got him in with Kovalev. You know, we, 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 he, Rocky Fielding had that dream chance against him. You know, we want to see him in the fights with Billy Joe Saunders, with Callum Smith, with Golovkin, with, with others. We don't really mind. We just want to see him in great fights. It's a difficult situation. Obviously, it's one that, you know, we, we watch, you and I watch with, with interest. You know, we, we're not part of it. Golden Boy are his promoters, DAZN are the broadcasters. And, um, you know, what we do know is that they signed a huge deal a couple of years back. And there was a massive amount of money that had to be found for each and every fight. Now, whether, you know, he should be paid more or less for, for the different opponents is actually something that they need to work out. And obviously, they can't work it out. So that's why it's ended up where it has. Um, interesting that, you know, that, it was pulled away because of some problems with the litigation and some, you know, some, some of the way they referenced the businesses. Now, is that, you know, a legitimate mistake by the Canelo team and they just get back on with it? Or is that just a sort of a suggestion that, Hey, well, you know, we can take this the whole way and, but let's try and come up with something. I don't know. It's a difficult one. Golden Boy have got other dates with his own. It's a complicated uh, scenario and it's not really one as, as you say, for us to speculate on. We can watch it unfold. I think what we can say is that we want, Canelo Alvarez back in the ring as soon as possible because it's all very well him sort of sending a message on a yacht down in Miami on you know Mexican Independence Weekend celebrating but it's a sort of little reminder that hey you're missing me and, and I think we all are Canelo's a top quality fighter one of the best of his generation and we want to see him back in a ring and I know we want to see him in with really good fighters so um, let's hope it works itself out and, uh, and, and, and whatever happens you know with the legal uh, process we get him back in the ring before the end of the year but um, we'll just wait and see and watch on that one with Smith and Saunders now both of them were chasing that Canelo fight Saunders looked incredibly close uh, before everything that happened happened when the maybe with the return of crowds is that a logical fight for them to just try and face each other at this point maybe in 2021 Oh, listen, it's a great fight to make. I've always said sort of Billy Joe Saunders, Callum Smith, Chris Eubank. You know, there's, there's a load of sort of great domestic fights. And then, you know, you go back to the one we always talked about at a different way, which is Amir Khan and Kel Brook. But, you know, sometimes they just, you know, these fighters, especially with what's happened this year, and, and they're, they're chasing the sort of big money paydays. And, you know, with no crowds here at the moment, it's very hard. So, you know, you, you're, you're depending on, you know, pay-per-view, you're depending on, maybe some international money or sponsorships or whatever. It's very hard to get all the, the you know, the, these big purses. So it's very tough to get, you know, uh, uh, these, these fights on. We want to see Billy Joe Saunders in with, with Canelo. We want to see Callum Smith in with Canelo. Could we put them together, Billy Joe and Callum? Of course we would, but there's a lot of money in that fight. Where does that come from? You know, you know, it looks like we're going to have a number of Sky Sports box office events before the end of the year. We can't keep doing that for fight fans. We want to have a, have a good lot of fights, a good system of fights on Sky Sports. That's important to us. 
you know, to have big nights on Sky Sports, 10 o'clock at night, you know, after the football, that's, that's crucial for us. You know, we, the Sky Sports box office events are very special. So you can't have every, you know, we, we, we've been through that in the past where we probably had too many in a year and we've got to be, you know, we've got to be mindful and mindful of, of, of fight fans as well in, in, in the situation that we're going to make sure that when we do a box office event, it is absolutely, you know, it, it's the right, it's the right thing to do at the right time. So we can't just have back-to-back pay-per-views, of course not. So it's difficult. It's difficult with the money that, you know, some of these guys are being paid. You know, the likes of Callum Swift in the World Super Series have paid huge amounts of money. You know, Billy Joe as well. And, and to, 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 to keep those sort of purses, you know, you have to have, you know, the revenue to get back in. And it's very hard with no gates and, and you know, only certain times you can, you can put the box office events on. It's, it's really difficult. And as you're seeing, you know, it's just really us that are putting on the, you know, we put on one box office event so far, but it's hard for, for others to do that with, you know, with a lack of a crowd. So I think we just have to sort of, maybe that word patience is back out. We have to just not, you know, run before we can walk. I think we've done a great job getting fight camp out. I think we need to get, you know, these fighters out again, fighting as regularly as they can, as will allow in this period. We have to make sure the heavyweight division, which is, let's be honest, the division that really governs the whole of boxing, make sure that is moving as fast as it can. There's nothing we can do with the Canelo situation. He's not our fighter. Um, you know, Billy Joe and Callum are Eddie's fighters. So we're sitting down and we're working out the best moves for, um, for everybody. But, you know, in an ideal world, what would I say? I would say I hope Canelo fights Callum Smith and I hope that Billy Joe Saunders maybe fights here and then Chris Eubank comes involved and, you know, it's always been a dream of mine to have a, a, a big night at Anfield. Um, we've talked to the Liverpool, um, the Liverpool owners, the Liverpool uh, hierarchy about that. It was it was close to be done this year when, obviously, as a Liverpool fan, we won the title, and it would have been fantastic. You know, if we'd seen a, a Callum Canelo or a Callum Golovkin or a Callum Eubank or something like that, maybe put the Smith brothers on and, and other big, you know, fighters in, in the Liverpool area. Now, Tasha Jonas, look at her. You could have had the rematch with Terry Harper. I mean, there's, there's loads of things ahead, you know. We, we, we've, we've got, there's a long way before stadium fights are even thought about. We should have been at Spurs, of course, which was going to be amazing with AJ and Pulev. It's going to take time, you know. We're a year away, surely, from, from now. Nine months away, 10 months away from stadium fights. And, you know, we have to wait on that. So it's all very difficult at the minute. And I think we just have to be thankful that fighters are, are getting out and boxing is carrying on when, um, you know, when there's so much pressure with, with the finances. And, you know, I had Josh Warrington on our podcast the other day and he said, look, I know I'm one of these fighters that needs, that has the crowds and 20,000 following me at Leeds. You know, he's, 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 a, he's a bright guy, Josh. He's, he knows that a lot of the money comes from that. So, you know, we said to him, look, are you prepared just to take a hit to get out there? And he said, yeah, look, if I, if I have to, if I take a unification fight, maybe get a belt, have to take the sort of lower money, but it just gets me out there. You know, I've been out almost a year. I've got to, I've got to be fighting. So, you know, it's, there's a lot of things in there. There's a lot of balls in the air. There's a lot of uh, things. And that's why Usyk Chisora has taken a long time to, to get over the line because of the money that these guys are, uh, and rightfully so, you know, at that level are being paid. But it's a different world we're in now. And it's a world that we all have to adapt to. So, you know, we're not going to get everything, but I think we're going to get quite a lot before the end of the year. And um, certainly the way it's, it's looking and the announcements we've got coming up as well, there's, uh, there's plenty to be excited about, Ryan. Final one, Adam, before I let you go, you mentioned Tasha Jonas there. One thing I wanted to finish on uh, was the boom of women's boxing. Uh, we were talking about it on the Boxing Social podcast. If you haven't seen that, go check it out. Get the plug in there. Um, we saw some great female fights throughout summer uh, on both sides of the Atlantic. 
We've also got Chantel Cameron now fighting for a world title. Marshall Rankin's a brilliant fight by all accounts. It's a brilliant time to be emerging on the world scene right now, Adam, as a, as a woman. Absolutely, man. It's it's really not it's not women bo women's boxing. It's boxing, isn't it? It's just great fights we're getting. Um, it's fantastic. I mentioned earlier Shannon Courtney and Rachel Ball. You know, and that, at that level, you know, you've had Katie and Pursuit. We've got that one over the line. The rematch. You know, another cracker, another tough fight for Katie. You know, the Tasha Jonas and Terry Harper fight was was absolutely superb. So we'd love to see a rematch of that down the line. Savannah Marshall was my scholar at Sky Sports for many years through the amateurs. Um, so I, I lived and breathed the journey with her. You know, she's uh, she's had her ups and downs. She's signed with Floyd Mayweather. She's, you know, she's, she's, she's finally found her sort of home with Peter Fury. And then uh, she was going to have a world title shot uh, and another one in, in, in April. Uh, now she gets Hannah Rankin, who's a great character and a really good fighter. And I'm really excited about that. I think it's a terrific matchup. Chantel Cameron as well in a tough fight too. Um, you know, she's got a real opportunity. And look, if we get a couple more, we will, a couple more world champions there. It's, it's a brilliant time. You know, it, it takes me right back. Jane Couch was the pioneer. Let's not forget Jane, you know, back in the day. And she didn't probably quite have the matchups or the notoriety. A lot of people against women's boxing then, probably because of the matches. And there was a lot of mismatches then. And, you know, it wasn't the right time. But look at what happened with Nicola Adams and Katie in London 2012. And, you know, Katie Taylor's just uh, been incredible, hasn't she, for, for sport, for, for, for life in general. She's a fantastic ambassador, but there's so many more that are now coming up. Terry Harper inspired by Katie. You know, look at Tasha Jonas when that fight happened. Katie and Tasha in the in the Olympics. Johnny Nelson and I sat there amongst ten thousand people. The atmosphere was unbelievable. You know, I'm so glad that could become a rematch in the in the professional ranks. When Eddie called me and said, "Look, I." I've got Katie in the office and what do you think? And I'm like, let's go for it. Let's do it. And I'm so pleased at how it's worked out and it's inspiring. You know, I've got daughters. They're inspired watching Katie Taylor. They want to get into the gym, get fit. Maybe, maybe they don't want to box, but they want to, you know, they want to be like them. And it's, it's brilliant to have role models. And they're such, they're such great women, aren't they? You know, you look at Terry's fantastic and Tasha's doing so much good in Liverpool. And, you know, they're, they're brilliant. Chantel just slipped under the radar a bit. Now it's her opportunity. As I said, I know Savannah really well. And, and she's, you know, she's been the quiet one, the silent assassin, but she can really fight. She's got that win over Clarissa Shields in the amateurs. You know, that's a great rematch down the line. So um, it's really exciting times, Ryan, for, for boxing generally. Men, women, it's, it's brilliant. And uh, I think it's, uh, I think it's, it's great that our sport is uh, in many ways leading the way on that. So uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's something we can all get really excited about. And there's so many great matches. They're all, they're all great matches, aren't they? And it's, it's fantastic to see. Well, Adam, I've kept you for just over a half hour, so I won't keep you any longer. Thank you very much for your time. Thanks for speaking to Boxing Social as always, and I'm sure we'll catch you very soon. Anytime, Ryan. No problem at all. <laughs>